Taking risks can be very scary. So what can you do to manage those risks? Ever since we got married, and I think in particular the last couple of years, people have thought that we've taken some really crazy wild decisions. But we don't see it like that, do we? We don't feel like we've taken decisions that are super risky. Well, even I, if someone asked me back before you started the podcast, like, oh, do you take big crazy risks? I'd be like, oh, yeah, sometimes. But actually, it's only been as we've been doing the podcast and really kind of reliving the processes of all the different risks we've taken that actually each of those risks has been managed that it's not been a wild jump into the dark for the majority of the time that there has been steps that we've taken to make them manageable I agree I think it's what we would term risk management so what is your first thought when we've thought of an idea that's risky what's your first thought I think my first thought is, is this necessary and should we do it now? We have something that we call the someday shelf or the incubation list that we mentioned in an earlier episode. And I think, do we have the time, capacity and resource to take this risk now? And if not, is this something that we can put on a list to do at another time? It doesn't mean that it's a bad risk. I just think it means not now. But and also the next thing after the is it a risk that we should consider now is then thinking about the the implications so I come up with a lot of ideas I feel like I'm an ideas person Ethan's an action person I come up with ideas and I I I think I just get excited by things and so I just always have these different ideas going through my head and so I'll come to Ethan (laughs) I remember one day I came to you with like three different ideas not big things that they were actually things for the shop for Christmas and (laughs) The first idea got dismissed. The second one and the third one, I think, were both considered. And I felt really chuffed with that because normally I'll come with these ideas and then Ethan will very sensibly go through the pros and cons of each risk. Whereas I think it might have become quite clear that I am an optimist. And so I generally focus on all the positives, whereas others thankfully in this relationship consider maybe the things that are important and consider that maybe means the idea isn't the very best idea in the world doesn't mean it's a bad idea but maybe needs a bit of fine-tuning but you're also really sneaky because you know that if you have a hierarchy of wild ideas you know that i would deem it rude if i instantly dismissed all of your ideas if you come you with, don't care if you come with a couple you know, the odds are that you're going to get one or two approved. No, that's not true. I was <laughs> properly chuffed when I got two ideas that were given the go-ahead. Like, so chuffed. Because sometimes I'm a bit rude, and I do say that Ethan is, is my fog in the airport, that you keep you keep me grounded. It is rude. <laughs> but it's very sensible, because um, as we've seen, maybe I, I run a bit ahead of myself. I think that, you know, maybe setting up shops and things like that is a good idea, when actually I do need to be a bit of realism in my life. <laughs> If you going back to that uh, metaphor that you used, I mean, the, the plane can still take off. It's just in a measured, appropriate way where you've assessed the, the scene and you know that it's safe to do so. And you can still take the crazy risk. And that's what we do is that we take a step back from getting all excited and wild. And then we know that we can do something. We've considered all of uh, we've considered as many things as we can. And that's the difficulty, because I 
I do just get a bit overexcited, but not overexcited, but I get excited by ideas. I enjoy the thrill of them. And I don't, I don't enjoy the realistic side of them so much. You're a serial risk taker. I, yeah. And so it's very fortunate that we found each other because <laughs> if you were also a carefree risk taker, that probably, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I am a carefree risk taker. I think push come to shove, I would end up considering the realistic side, but maybe. And actually, it's happened in the past when we first started talking about the shop. You said no. And then at one point you were like, well, then I came with another idea of how it would how it would work. And you're like, well, if you think you can do it. And I remember I considered it and I was like, actually, I don't think I could. But I needed you giving me the freedom to actually think about whether it was a good idea or not at that time meant that actually I did then consider the the different options because I wasn't just trying to champion this idea so that you would say yes. And that's the thing. We are absolutely not reckless risk takers. We're responsible risk takers, I would say. So how have we managed to make risk taking feel responsible? After those first couple of steps of you saying no to my ideas, what, what are then the next steps? I don't think we group it into a framework but I think loosely we do best case, worst case, likely case. I don't think we say to ourselves, okay, what's best case, what's worst case, what's likely case. But I think in going through the pros and cons, we do usually, you'll say, well, this is the best case because you're the idealist. I'll say what the worst case is because I'm a realist. And then the we'll sweet in the point <laughs> yeah, is what the likely case is. If you think for the shop, for example, best case, you're like, Ethan, we're going to get all of our money back straight away. It's going to be incredible. Everyone's going to want to come. And I was like, well, actually, I think it's going to be terrible because of the state of the economy and no one's going to come. You never said the economy. And then the likely case was that actually, yeah, we probably would make it work. It's probably not going to make us millionaires, but it probably would do really well. And that is responsible risk taking. Yeah. And I think in that regard, too, going in knowing what the possible worst case scenarios are is what makes the risk feel safer because if we've considered... You've okay, anticipated. Yeah, if we've considered, well, if this doesn't work... Because that's always the thing that people talk about. When you t- when you think about taking a risk and people say, there's that quote, like, but what if I fail? Oh, but darling, what if you fly? Um, which I... I, I <laughs> easier I said think, than done. Yeah, I think it is easier said than done because it doesn't answer the question of, but what if it does fail? Like, nobody's there to catch me. Whereas if you know what the worst case scenario is and you feel comfortable enough taking that risk, then actually you don't really have so much to lose. If you know what what it is you're going to lose and you can cope with it, then then yeah, go for it because why not? And the reality is that you're going to fail. And I think we mentioned this in the previous episode. So if you're going to fail, fail fast and then learn lessons from it. And then there's also, and we've talked about this with the shop, like, there will be like a hard day that comes like where you absolutely want to give up and throw in the towel, which we talked about before. And then it plays into that whole, the resilience of risk. So how do you feel like we have been resilient in the face of some of these huge risks that we've taken? I think knowing that things aren't finite. I think knowing, knowing that nothing is, is set in stone and that there's always things that you can do a bit differently. And like when we've moved and it's been difficult, then thinking, okay, well, what what can I do differently this time? Or I found this hard last time, what can I do now to make this next move more manageable? 
I think just trying to see what things that we could do rather than just feeling helpless of like, I hated that last move. I'm not going to move ever again. And I'm just going to sit and feel really sad about the fact that I'm on my own with two small children 24 seven, not 24 seven, half of the day. Um, I think that's for me what has, and that also then builds resilience because I think it builds your confidence in knowing that you are in control of the risks you're taking and then when you're feeling more confident you have that that ability to bounce back when things are hard because you can say oh I coped this time I could probably cope this next time too like I, I managed with that situation so although this situation's hard I think I can cope with it I agree it reminds me of one of our favorite books that both of us have read multiple times called Atomic Habits by James Clear an absolutely incredible book and at the beginning of the book he talks about the British uh, cycling team and how we were one of the worst in the world. And it got to the point that people would even sponsor us because we were so bad. And they talk about how a new coach came in and they just improved everything by 1%. The the gear they're using, the equipment, the training, everything. And they're able to make marginal gains until they started winning medals. And I think it's what you're saying, that resilience comes when we set ourselves goals and there are th- actions that we can take as you said they're not being victims there's things that we can control even if we improve those just by one percent just small gains that overall we can then start seeing success and i think it's really important when we take risks that we are able to reflect look back and see success that we've made otherwise why why keep going like we just saw a photo on my phone today of the first the the day before we opened the shop and the boys came to the shop they were the first customers and looking back you know, like we did that, like we have seen success in the moment. It's so easy to get caught up and think, this is terrible. What on earth did we do? But when you look back, you can see how far you've come. Something that I didn't realise how much we do before we make a decision is the amount of research we do. And it was only when I was actually speaking with my mum who'd been listening to the podcast and she talked about when we had moved to Spain, the amount of research we did working at where we wanted to live and I didn't even remember that I just remember I can't remember what we talked about in that podcast but um it it was only when she said you know I remember how much you you really thought about and studied about where you should move to even though it was only for six months and how much that paid off because we were so close to like every amenity we needed was just it it paid off so well and just how how ingrained that is in us that we didn't even realize the amount of research we were doing and so a lot of people probably looked at us and thought my goodness you guys are absolutely insane for moving abroad and deciding to have a baby when you're only have been there for three months and then only staying for another three months afterwards what a wild thing to do but actually we had researched so much that actually we felt really confident in the in the decisions that we'd made and that research then meant that we knew what we were getting into when we then did move over and it just made everything a really smooth process. I think with all of the risks we've taken, I think it's so easy for people to look at the risks we're making and think that's crazy those guys have done this and that's part of the one of the main reasons we've set up this podcast is because people don't show all of that painstaking research that has gone on behind the scenes, behind that risk. As you said, with Spain, I had forgotten that. And actually, I did a lot of that research. I remember being on Airbnb for hours trying to find the perfect location and the distance to the hospital and to university and all those different things. And actually, all of the risks we've taken, 
people don't see those hours of conversations that you and I have or the the Google searches and absolutely everything that we do in order to take that risk. Yeah, just the hours that that go into before the risk is taken, not even after the risk is taken, because obviously there's loads of work once you've taken a risk, but actually the amount of work that goes in before you take a risk is definitely not something that you you just can't see, you can never see. And it's something we, talk, we were talking with the landlord the other week as well. And he was talking about the number of hours that we put into the business. And then we were also like, oh yeah, and the number of hours we spend talking about it. And they <laughs> completely laughed at us and said, yep, 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 you we, we don't build those hours. We would we would be millionaires if we build the hours that they spent talking about their businesses and their plans and their goals and stuff. And yeah, I think sometimes you just don't realise the amount of work that people are doing behind the scenes to achieve success that you think, oh, it just must come naturally to them and they're just it just looks so easy and smooth, whereas actually they're thinking and they're planning and they're researching, then they take take the decisions. In the last episode, I asked you if you had any regrets about the risks we've taken. And I've been reflecting on this and it reminded me of something that's called the Bezos test. So Jeff Bezos, who's the founder of Amazon, before he founded Amazon, he had the crazy idea to set up Amazon and he spoke with his family and friends about this idea of selling books online from his garage and everyone thought he was absolutely crazy. Something he did is he thought to himself, when I'm 80 years old, I'm sat rocking in my armchair as an old man with my hot water bottle and slippers, would I regret this? And basically he thought to himself, yeah, if I didn't do this at the start of this internet journey, I would regret this. And I think this is something we do think about, don't we? We think to ourselves, if in X number of years time, we didn't take this decision, would we regret it? And I remember asking you when we set up the shop saying, if we didn't do this now, would you regret it? I would have pestered you for the rest of your life. (laughs) And he probably would have got very sick of me. So maybe it's a good thing we did do it. (laughs) So we've talked about the things that we have done to make risks feel manageable. Are there any things that you feel like we've learned from painful experience or things that we didn't consider enough that made our risks feel more riskier than they could have done. To answer your question, I think going back to the beginning of the episode where we talked about risk management, I think it's important to understand that unless you have a crystal ball, you cannot predict the future. So the first example that comes to mind is that although people felt like it was a completely crazy decision that I quit my job and we went self-employed, we considered so many different factors and planned and prepared But we absolutely could not have seen that a global pandemic would have arrived three months later and completely turned our world upside down. And so you can't regret that. You can't you can't feel bad about that because there was absolutely no way of us knowing that that was going to happen. And that's why it's so important to pivot, adapt and have the best information available so you can then keep 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 going. I guess also having some contingencies in place, because I think that was the issue with the shop was then we were coming out of the pandemic and you just felt like everything was going to get better now. Nothing could top how globally catastrophic the pandemic was. Well, not catastrophic, but how how it tipped life completely upside down. You just felt, everybody felt like, oh, 2022, that's the year that we're going to, you know, seize with two hands and we're just going to see so much, you know, growth and, and just life back to normality. And then, you know, the cost of living, energy prices. And so I think maybe we were a bit naive in, or maybe I was, in thinking that 
life was going to be back to normal and not realizing that actually anything can happen at any point that could just tip everything upside down and not having enough contingency in place to say if something terrible were to happen could we cope with it which I guess is difficult because yeah you never know what's going to happen but I guess do you have the the mental capacity to say if I have to change everything upside down or work my butt off because you know we're having bills that are sky high and just do yeah do you have the capacity to pivot so much more than you ever initially intended the only thing I would say and I say this from someone that feels like they are a responsible risk taker is in an ideal world you'd have six to twelve months of contingency financial savings for example but in the process of saving that money for a rainy day, do you run the risk that you miss an opportunity that could have been seized? That in preparing so much for a situation that may never happen, does it paralyse you into not being able to take the risk that you want to take? It's definitely a valid question because um, there's been people that we have, you know, followed along with their stories in the past who took a really big risk but actually had, what, millions of pounds in the bank at home so that if their their plans to you know, travel the world didn't work out, they could fall back on that money. And they were like, but we never used it. And so, you know, you can do it too because we never used the money. But knowing that that money is there makes a big, a big difference, I think. But at the same time, if that's stopping you from taking risks that you feel passionate about and that you have done appropriate research and it's something that you feel confident would be a success I don't think it's necessary to say I can't do this until I have x number of thousands of pounds worth of savings in the bank because nobody's going to have saved enough money really to be able to say if this all went completely wrong I will still not have to work for another x hundred years And actually, you know, in not having a massive safety net, it forces you to work harder. It forces you to make it work because you know that you have to. Whereas there there is that real possibility that you know that you have a safety net. And so you you don't push yourself hard enough. And actually, there's a book that I really have enjoyed by Benjamin Hardy. And he talks about committing to a point of no return and actually with a lot of decisions you just kind of swim along you kind of you know you put in a bit of work here and there but until you get to a point where you have to commit beyond the point of return you're never all in and if you're not all in you're not ever going to see the full return that you want to on the the things that you're doing and so maybe you have to just take a jump into the dark sometimes yeah no I agree I think the, the big takeaways from this in order to take risks responsibly and to minimise the risk of regretting not taking the risk is that you have to do your research, which we've done. You then have to take some action. Otherwise, you're going to regret not taking the risk. And then you have to have time to reflect on the risk you've taken so you can make changes if you need to and make sure you're going in the right way. Would you say that's that's fair? Yeah, I think research, be realistic, be prepared to pivot your butt off. And then reflect. Reflect and then, yeah, just commit to it. 
that's pretty much it basically so those are the steps that we have taken over the last few years of managing risks and i'm sure as we take more risks we will probably discover more things that we've done to make risks feel more manageable if you're a risk taker what are the things that you have done because i imagine actually it is slightly different between different people what makes risks feel manageable what are the things that make your risks feel manageable let us know and we will see you next time